So um, first I want to just say that it's a privilege to stand before you and to, to bring the Word of God. And uh, when, when Randy um, asked me to, to do this, gave me this opportunity, um, I was thinking initially I would maybe just kind of go through some of the same things that we were doing over at Colbert. And uh, over there we're, we're studying through Philippians. And so I was kind of coming from that context. And, uh, and I think that um, we'll be in a little bit of a, a kind of a different place, but, but it is coming out of, out of that. So the context, just, just to kind of give you briefly, I'll kind of share some thoughts. We'll pray and we'll get started. But the, the context that I'm thinking through this in was Philippians where Paul is writing this letter on the basis of a church that has partnered with him, a church that is um, in fellowship with him, even as he is going through persecution, even as he is in prison. And the last message that I had preached over at Colbert was Paul's profound statement that to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so his ability to say that, his, his, the backing of that church, his confidence to say that, um, is not solely coming out of him alone. Um, it is what Christ is doing through him, but, but it's not just him. We're the body of Christ. We're in this together. We share in Christ's death. We share in, in Christ's resurrection, and we share in unity with one another on that common basis. And so it's coming out of that that I, I started digging in and, and trying to decide where I was going to be today. And I, I messaged Randy uh, last night, I think it was maybe like 9 o'clock, and I said, What's, is it good or is it bad if, if I'm still stuck trying to figure out you know, what, what scriptures I'm going to be digging into? And you know, I'm throwing out half of the stuff that I'd... Uh, kind of thought I was going to be in, and I'm redirecting. You say that's usually a good thing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so uh, I guarantee you this: this will either be really bad or really spirit-led. So, <laughs> if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter three, uh, and we'll be in twelve through fourteen. That's kind of where I'm going to stay focused for the most part. I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father God, I just want to, I want to thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your body to come together unified under the same truth that we each hold dearly that We are only yours by your grace, by the faith that you've granted us, God. God, help us to to strive, to lift one another up, to challenge one another. God, help us to be the church, not simply to go to church, not simply to find a church to attend that we like, not simply to do this thing that is so common to our culture and, and claim that it's the thing that's saving us. But God, help this to be a moment that spurs us on, that, that stirs us up, 
God, these weekly gatherings, bi-weekly gatherings, or all of these different events that we have, help those to be the catalyst that forms relationships, God. As we walk with each other, sharing in you daily. God, I ask that you would be over these proceedings and above all, that you would be lifted up. God, I just ask that you would be glorified here. Set me to the side. Set all of our thinking, all of our baggage to the side. Help us to reflect on what you have written in your word, God. God, give us clarity. God, we thank you for today. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, Hebrews 3, starting in in 12, I'm going to read it, and then we'll dig in. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Take care, brothers. I think the the first thing, if you were were here for equipping hour, um, or if you weren't here for equipping hour, we were talking about um, hermeneutics and, and just... How do we study the Word of God, and what are some of the different elements that, that God uses, uh, figures of speech and metaphors and similes, and we went through some of those things. And I think one of the things that, um, that can be important, and I, I brought up, was just categories. Who are we talking to? What's the category, right? Um, who's being addressed? He says, take care, brothers, brethren, beloved. Anytime you see one of those um, titles there, we can... We can know that he's talking to the church or he's talking about the church. This is for the church. Believers. This is for believers. Take care, brothers, believers, people within the church. So take care, believers. And then take care. Take precaution. It's not, it's not simply just take care, you know, be caring about this. No, take care, take precaution. Be cautious about this. Watch out. Because there may be people among you. No. Lest there be, not among you, but in any of you. It might be you. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. We can get caught up in this idea that there's, there's many among us, and, and there may be. In fact, we can be confident that there are. Scripture has, has explicitly said that there are those among us in a small congregation, in a large congregation, in the church as a whole. There are those among us who believe themselves to be believers and are not. And it may be you. And it may be me. And and this is why we need to take care, to take precaution, to be watchful. 
I need to be watchful over myself and you need to be watchful over yourselves and you need to be watchful over each other. Take care, brothers, plural, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So not just among you, but in any of you. And there are, there are six things that he, that he goes over that contribute, six factors contributing to this evil. And the, first, the first thing that he says is, lest there be any of you evil. Okay, so the, the category is, is evil. It's not simply lost. It's not simply confused. It's not simply... You know, uh, poorly discipled. The root of this, the core, at its core, this is evil. So there's six things that he mentions. Sin, deceit, a leading, hardening, falling away, and unbelief. These six aspects to this evil. But the first one we'll look at is Sin. Anything contrary to God. It's usually how it's, how it's described. Sin would be anything that is contrary, anything that is against God. But I think that if we dig in a little bit deeper, the root of, of evil, if we go back to the garden, go back to Genesis, the root of evil is questioning God. Did God really say? And ultimately what's behind that is Anything that seeks to take the place of God and truth and time and importance and supremacy, thinking that anything is greater than God, more important, more correct, more primary, more needful, more fundamental. Anything that takes the place of God, anything that sets itself up as God, more important than God is at its core the, the root of sin, anything contrary to God, against God being in the place that God belongs. So sin. The next one that I want to look at is deceit. He says that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So sin at its core is... Deceit, sin is a lie. Did God really say? And the, the assumption that Satan is, is making here for Adam and Eve is, did God really say? In other words, no, he didn't. It's a lie. God is definitively stating, this is what I have for you. Do not eat from this tree. Pretty cut and dry. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Okay. So to question that is at its core deception. And so sin at its core, anything that seeks to take the place of God is deception. Because nothing is greater than God, sin at its core, assuming that anything is greater than God or trying to put anything above God is a lie. Deceit. Every religion, whether it's dreamed up by man or whether it's demonically um, influenced, whether it's of demonic origin, will ultimately come down to the same lie. You can 
be the divine. You can save yourself. You are the most important. You, 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 you. Man-centeredness. You are the end-all, be-all of all things in your world. You're, you're it. And, and thus we see the despair in so many of the religions that the world has created. Because you're all the hope you've got. No, Christ is above all. God is above all. I love what, what Randy read before we got started. That God is set above all things. Anything that is questioning that, anything that seeks to divert your attention from that, is sin. And it's rooted in the same lie that started this whole curse on the world. That was the beginning of it. Deceit. And then we look at leading. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you. Sin entices and it draws us into self-deception. Again, you're lying. You're not just lying to everyone else. You're lying to primarily yourself. A pathological liar is someone who lies so much they start to believe it. You lie so much about who God is to yourself that you start to believe that that really is who God is. We get these false ideas of theology because we've lied to ourselves. It entices, it draws us into the self-deception. Our suppression of knowledge, the suppression of the knowledge of God leads us deeper and deeper into sin. I have a friend who grew up in the church. I would have told you he was a believer. Um, We grew up in youth group together, and he was solid, far more solid than I was. His understanding of things was, was pretty for his age, was pretty decent. And when he left to go to college, I remember him telling me that he didn't want to end up like his dad. His dad, from my understanding, was a, a pastor, fell away from the faith, and became a Hindu. A cheap brand of Hinduism. You hear about Hinduism, um, particularly in the West. Hinduism is some off-brand false version. It's not textbook Hinduism. It's some Americanized weird version of it that no Hindu in India would accept. So, But he became a Hindu. And, and I remember my friend was telling me that he was worried he was going to become like his dad. Well, he got into, sorry Dylan, he got into <laughs> spoken word and then got into rapping and uh, see, rap is a sin. No. <laughs> he got into spoken word. He got into rapping. And, and uh, that took him into this pattern of seeking to be heard and seeking to be seen. And he started doing open mic nights. And then in order to be seen, in order to be heard, he, he got in with what was, what was common, what was uh, popular at that time. And that took him down a path of being more and more and more liberal and more and more and more woke. And he got into with BLM and... All of these social justice movements, and lo and behold, a couple of years ago, I see a post on Facebook. He's not a full-blown Hindu. It's a cheap version, Americanized version, but 
He's now Hindu. He was more solid than I was at that time. He called me the other day, and he's trying to explain all these different beliefs and stuff. And, and I recognized and, and talked to a few other people that recognized that this guy's schizophrenic. It's demonic oppression, demonic influence. He was led into this by his own desires, by sin. And so it will take you further than you wanted to go. Way further than you ever wanted to go. We suppress the knowledge of God. And that takes us into the next thing is hardening. Again, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And then at the end of verse 3, hardened. Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So hardening. Repeated sin calluses, it sears, it hardens the conscience. Our knowledge of God. Con, science, conscience. Con meaning with and science, knowledge. You're with knowledge. You know enough to know your state. You know enough to know that you are in sin. That what you are doing is contrary to a holy God. And our suppression of that knowledge and continual sin hardens and sears and calluses us to no longer be tender. We're no longer tender to the proddings of the Holy Spirit. We're no longer tender to the proddings and the, the, the outcry of brothers and sisters that love us. We need to be careful here because we can, we can get the idea that this is talking about the loss of salvation. I want to be careful here. I don't want to preach that we can lose our salvation. Um, I was talking to, to Brett before we got started and, and uh, showed him the passage. And I'm like, yeah, okay, so you know, we're losing our salvation. And I talked to Justin. He was like, oh, okay, yeah, so you're preaching about how we can lose our salvation. They're joking. Right? But, but I think that, that can be a pitfall. We can fall into the, that idea that, um, that we can lose our salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, But the answer to whether someone needs to be saved or whether someone needs to be discipled is the same. We take them back to the truth of Scripture, consistently back to the truth of Scripture, so that they not be hardened. Whether they're being hardened as a believer and falling away from their true purpose, their true meaning, whether they're falling away from that fellowship that will sanctify them or whether they're falling away deeper and deeper and deeper into their damnation. Calluses us. We fall away. And Scripture gives us a myriad of examples. We have so many examples where people think, again, they think they're believers they think that they're saved and they're not. So the, the parable of the sower, all of the seed is being thrown out. Some of it lands on rocky ground and some of it lands in the thorns and some of it lands in the shallow dirt and it doesn't take root and it gets choked out. And, and so there is a process in evangelism where you're working on the soil 
we're not just throwing out the seeds, but we're working on the soil. And, and a lot of that is that hard labor that, that goes into long-term evangelism. And, but it doesn't change the fact that there are many, many that will come in and, and think that they're believers. And they think that the soil has been tilled up and they think that the seeds have taken root and they have not. They're playing at church. Again, take care, brothers, lest it be you. Lest it be our dear brother in Christ. And the answer is the same either way. They need the same thing. The poorly discipled and the lost. The reasons that this is the case may be a mystery as far as their motives or the means by which they self-deceive. But for each individual, consider consider whether or not this is you. Are you living with sin, deception? Are you being led into these things continually? Are you being hardened? So there may be some that that find out while in this life that they're not believers. Come to that realization and, and call it quits. Done pretending. But there may be some that continue for their entire life and then find out on that day that they were not a good and faithful servant So again, it's the same answer for both. Unbelief and wrong beliefs have the same root. A heretical belief is at its root unbelief in the truth. You do not believe in the truth, whether you believe in something that masquerades as the truth, or you just don't believe, still believe in something, right? Unbelief and wrong beliefs are still unbelief. You don't believe the truth, so you do not believe. Again, he says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, a falsely believing heart, a false idea of God, a false idea of your purpose, a false idea of where you fit into this thing that is called the church, where you fit into this process of sanctification What part of sanctification you're in, whether you're in sanctification or not. Are you being sanctified? Or are you being hardened? Hardened doesn't have to be a process where you get deeper and deeper and deeper into obvious sin. Hardening can be a process where you get deeper and deeper and deeper into self-reliance, self-deception, A belief that you've got it figured out because you understand theology. Or a belief that you've got it figured out because you attend church regular. Or a belief that you've got it figured out that you're good because no one notices. No one notices the deep sin that I deal with every day. Because I I put on a good face. I I put on a, a mask. Sermons are hard. I'm preaching to myself here. (laughs) My toes are getting hurt more than yours. I guarantee it. 
wrong beliefs. Fundamentally, unbelief in the truth. This is why doctrine is important. This is why right understanding, correct understanding is important. Because, yeah, we can have some things wrong, okay? We will never get absolutely everything 100% right. That does not mean that we abide by, adhere to, and agree with things that, that we know are wrong because they're convenient. We want to be striving for truth. We take everything that we hear with gladness and then we go test it. You test it by the scriptures. Be as the Bereans. Test everything that you hear to determine whether or not it is true. Because if you believe wrongly, you do not believe The evil heart that has been led into deeper and deeper sin is unresponsive to the truth of God. It's drowned in unbelief, false beliefs. It's the enemy of God. If you're drowned in a false idea of who God is, you're living in this construct of you believe this way and this is reality. You're drowned in your unbelief. You're drowned in your false beliefs. And you are thus dead to the truth, dead to God. You're spiritually dead. If God is life, if God is all that is good, and you are falsely believing in something other than that, you are the enemy of God. An unresponsive heart unresponsive to the truth of God, drown in unbelief, drown in false beliefs, is the enemy of God and is thus fallen from grace. It does not have fellowship with God. So whether you're in fellowship or not, if you're not fellowshipping, if just because you're here does not make you in fellowship, Just because you know people in the church, or you know Christians, or you believe yourself to be a Christian, does not mean you are in fellowship. This is all of us prior to regeneration. This is the state of mankind. The evil heart led deeper and deeper into sin, hardened and unresponsive to God, fallen from grace. That's the condition. Again, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, evil, unbelieving heart. A heart that is leading you into deeper and deeper sin, to fall away from the living God. As you're hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What's the answer? 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Exhort one another. 
So again, there are six factors that contribute to combating this in the church, to combating this in your own heart, to combating this among brothers. Brothers in Christ from falling deeper into sin and further from sanctification, making the Christian walk harder and harder on yourself, making your contribution to the body less and less, or falling deeper and deeper into sin as an unbeliever and getting further and further from the truth, further and further further from that tenderness, that tenderness to the prodding, the pushing, the dragging of the Holy Spirit. Six things. He says, take care. He says, exhort daily, every day. He says, come, share, and then faith or confidence. So take care, take precaution, be aware, watch out, watch out for yourself, watch out for those around you, watch out for those you're in fellowship with. Watch for the signs of an evil heart in yourself and your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then act. Don't just watch it happen. Don't wait until I'm over the edge to call me out. I'm so thankful for so many of you. And I'm so burdened that that I haven't gotten to know so many of you. There's only so much time in a day, but I have a phone. I can text people. (laughs) Barely, but I can. I can call people. We can have conversations. There are so many of you that Lena and I have have talked about this so many times. We want to get to know more people. We want to have more people over. We bought a house. We're remodeling it. Part of that is is I, I want a space where I can... Entertain and invite people over and fellowship together. If you haven't had my wife's cooking, we need to fix that. She loves cooking for people. We have a house that's under construction right now. (laughs) But I'm pushing to get that done because I I want this to be a daily thing. I, I don't want this to be a Sunday, Wednesday, wait, Sunday, Wednesday, wait. Okay, what we do in church, Sundays and Wednesdays and and prayer meetings and small groups, that is the backbone of our fellowship, yes, but everything goes out from the backbone. Everything is built out from there. It's to proffer and, and, and build relationships that are for every day. I'm getting ahead of myself. Take care. Take precaution. Be aware. Watch out. Exhort. That can also be admonish or entreat. Beg even. Beg each other to fight sin and cling to Christ. I have the privilege of working with a number of guys. Well, every single guy that I work with except for one is a member of this church. So... (laughs) I have the privilege of being with guys that that will do that for me on a daily basis. Not everybody has that. Some of us go to work and deal with the most blatant sinful behavior 
And it can be so easy to get sucked into that. And even in a company where everyone is a believer, it can be so easy to get sucked into that. And so we have to watch out for each other. We have to watch out for those, those subtle, subtle signs of sin creeping in. And stop it then. Don't wait. Don't wait until someone has gone all the way. Don't wait until you're wondering, I really, I don't know if they are a believer. Don't wait. The answer is the same for both, but don't wait. There was a, a day I was working with Boyd, and I was getting really frustrated. And, and <laughs> When I get frustrated, I get, I'm not nice, okay? <laughs> Vody Bauckham talks about this. You got bad Vody coming out, okay? He had bad Isaiah coming out. Unsaved Isaiah is coming out. He's not a brother. He's a bother, okay? <laughs> and... And this man, and he, it's funny, he apologized for it later, and, and maybe rightfully so on his part, but it's exactly what I needed. He just called me out on it. I'm getting irritated, and you watch your attitude. If Boyd says that, you've messed up, okay? <laughs> okay, and, and he called me out, and... Listen, iron sharpens iron, and there's sparks. And I'm not going to like it when someone disagrees with me. But sometimes I need to be kicked in the teeth. Okay? And there are people that don't need to be kicked in the teeth, and some people don't respond to that well. I do. Kick me in the teeth, please. Okay? I don't have dental insurance, but... I need that. Daily, I need to be challenged on my thinking. I need to be challenged on my beliefs. I need to be challenged on my doctrine. I need to be questioned so that I can think through and explain things. I need to be tested. Do I really understand this? I need to be called out. Am I really walking this daily? Or am I faking it? It's so easy to do. It's so easy to fake this. We're good at it. This is the South, people. We're good at church. We're real good at church. Southern hospitality is like half the game, okay? You get back there and we, we indulge in, in so much gluttony. And it's like, it's a, listen, that is the sin that Baptists are cool with. I mean, that's the, you're, you're good if you can go engage in, in feasting to your heart's content. And I'm joking, it is good, you know. But it's so easy. This this culture that we live in makes it really easy to fake. Okay, we're not living in communist China. But that's the motivation for me to, to preach this is we will be. I don't watch the news because I don't hate myself, but we're there, folks. Persecution is, is not just coming. It's in its infancy, but it's growing. I got a one-and-a-half-year-old. They don't stay infants for very long. Right, Kenny? I got that. <laughs> they don't. Listen, they just keep growing, okay? And we may be in infancy in persecution now, but we are in a culture that cannot stay consistent in what it believes, 
and not persecute you. It cannot believe what it believes. And, and let your beliefs just slide. I can't. They preach tolerance, but there is no tolerance for intolerance. They can't be tolerant of someone that says, mm, now I'm pretty sure if you're born a dude, you're a dude. You can't be tolerant when someone attacks the foundation. Foundation is sinking sand. It's all over the place. But we will be persecuted and we will be persecuted legally. And it's already happening. It's already happening in many, many places. And it's not just happening in Canada and it's not just happening in Europe. It's happening here. And it will happen in the Bible Belt. It may happen in this church. It has happened in this church. You ever read a children's book and it's racist? Yeah. So how do we deal with fellowship? This is my motivation for this. Combating evil in the church, combating an evil heart in someone who believes that they're a believer, and combating this falling away, the answer, this, this six-factored, six aspects to this answer is fundamentally the foundation for fellowship, Christian fellowship, taking care, exhorting, daily, coming and sharing together faith and confidence. So exhort, admonish, beg even, call upon each other to fight sin, to cling to Christ. Again, call me out before it's over. Remind me that Christ is so much better than whatever attitude or whatever reason, whatever belief is enticing me to put myself above the importance of God in my life. Every day, he says, exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. Don't wait until tomorrow. By the time it gets here, it'll be today. So do it now. Did you guys know that that, was in, that came from the Bible? I didn't realize that. Yeah, tomorrow's only tomorrow for today. By the time it gets here, it's today. Again, the foundation of the church is a daily pursuit. The fellowship that we enjoy Fellowship in Christ, sharing in Christ, sharing in Christ's death and his resurrection and his suffering and in comfort is a daily, daily pursuit. And we're here now to build those relationships. We're here primarily to listen to preaching, to be built up, to be edified, to be challenged. But we're here to build those relationships and fellowships so that it will be daily. Again, I'm preaching to myself. We face the enticing lies of the world and we face indwelling, indwelling sin every day, maybe every moment. So we need the exhortation of the church, of brothers. We need brothers that will beg us to return to Christ, to look to Christ every day. He says, come. 
We have to come to share in Christ. You, you, this is, okay. If you're watching church on a TV screen from home, you're not in church. There are situations that call for it. Okay, COVID, that was a blessing to have. But if you stay there, maybe you need to read the verse that says they went out from us because they were not of us. You left because you weren't in fellowship. You might have been in fellowship, but you weren't in fellowship. You might have been hearing about Christ, but you're not in Christ. You might know some things about Christ, but you're not in Christ. You don't share in Christ. I want to share in Christ. And I want to share in Christ with you. We share in Christ's death and his resurrection. We share in his suffering, as Second Corinthians tells us. We share in his suffering and we share in comfort as well. We share in the body, in the brideship of Christ. Bodhi Bauckham talks about his wife this way. She's not mine, she's me. I am not simply, let's not get into new age thought here, but I'm not simply in Christ as the body of Christ. I am Christ, not Christ consciousness. Let's think careful. <laughs> I operate as in Christ. The life that I live is in Christ. It's through Christ. It's by Christ. And the life that I lived died with him. And the fundamental thing that we all have in common is that truth. We all died with Christ and rose with Christ. That's the foundation for our fellowship. Galatians 6, 2 tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does it look like to fulfill the law? Fellowship, bear one another's burdens. Fellowship is not high by, it's not small talk, it's not a, a quick conversation at church and then gotta run, the roast is burning. We bear one another's burdens. My burdens don't typically happen on Sundays from nine thirty to twelve. Do yours? My burdens usually happen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like maybe before I get to church. Well, like, I'm good at church, right? Wednesday all day until about 7, okay? Maybe even after, right? And then, like, Thursday, and then Friday, and Saturday. That's when my burdens are taking place. I don't know about yours. Maybe I should know about yours. That's kind of why I'm preaching this, right? That's the idea. Bear one another's burdens. We're all good at church. We're all solid at church. And there will be times where, yeah, we'll have a, a serious conversation. And I know, listen, I'm preaching to the choir here. I've never been in a church that is this solid in, in the, just the fundamentals of being together and knowing each other and fellowshipping together. But it, this is also for believers outside of this church. The church broadly is still the church. The churches that we don't agree with are still the church. Even if they don't function as the church in terms of their church polity and their setup, if there are believers there, those believers are the church. And we need to be looking out for them as well. It starts here, but it goes out from here. We all know believers that don't go here. And we still believe they're believers. 
And they still need what we need and we get here. And if we can give that to them there, that's what we're called to do. Bearing one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then the last one, through faith, confidence, confide, with faith. For it is by faith that you've been saved. Again, the foundation for this, whether you're in Christ or out of Christ thinking that you are, is the same. We're saved by faith. By grace through faith, but still faith. The constant reminder of the work that Christ did on our behalf is the fuel that feeds our sanctification. I'm challenged in my sin when I look back on my justification. I'm sanctified when I look to my justification. My glorification will be the full realization of my sanctification. But it all stems from that truth. The work of the body of Christ is to continually remind each other of what God wrought in us. That's what compels us to live to God. That's what compels us to live in faith. That's what compels us to throw off this old man, this man of death that should have died with Christ, but I'm really fond of digging back up and dragging around with me. Hebrews 10, 24. You can turn there with me. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Again, look out, watch out, take heed, be careful, consider, consider how to stir up. Spend time thinking over how your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ need to be encouraged. We're all individuals, we all have different ways of thinking, we all have different ways of being encouraged. And so the way that Boyd encourages me is hopefully not the way that Boyd encourages Sarah. She has nice teeth. We don't need to, don't kick those in. (laughs) Okay. I'm guessing I haven't looked at your teeth very much. (laughs) Let us consider, spend time thinking over how to keep your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and from an unbelieving heart. Sanctification is keeping you saved. You can't lose it. If you're truly saved, you're in Christ, you've been justified, you're saved. And Christ will complete what he has started in you. But the work of the body and the means by which that happens, God is sovereign over the means of your salvation and the means of your sanctification. And the means of your sanctification that he has fundamentally set up is this body. Not just the body of Christ, you, this body. You keep me saved. I keep you saved. The work that I do through Christ, if you're not a believer, 
That's what saves you because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Your salvation as a believer through sanctification or your salvation realizing that you're saved in justification. Either one. The answer is the same. Let us consider and stir up. Let us consider how to stir up or spur on our fellow believers to what is good. And you have to meet together to do this. Okay. I can't do that if I'm I'm not in person. I'm an in-person conversation kind of a guy. I don't really like text. If you've ever texted me, you probably know that because I probably didn't get back to you for like two or three days. Stir up and spur on each other to love and good works. And don't neglect to meet together in church and out of church. The meetings that we plan here are not the totality of the work of the body. So no matter how far you're into fellowship, no matter where you are in this thing, go deeper. Dig in more. Plug in more. Some of us don't have time to be involved in, in big, you know, big work, working aspects of the church. Some of us don't have time to be involved in VBS. Some of us don't have time to be involved in these big conferences. Some of us don't have time to come to regular services. And if God is, is keeping you out of that, if you're providentially hindered from coming, Okay, but that does not mean that you just leave aside that fellowship until you can come. You have to dig in deeper. This is an investment into your salvation and others. And as a covenant member, you're covenanting with all of us to lift each other up in Christ, to lift up Christ that we can see him clearly. All the more as we see that day, the day of Christ drawing near. Encourage each other. Encourage and edify, build up. And sometimes building up, you've got to tear old stuff down. Again, iron sharpens iron, just as one man sharpens another. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. There's sparks. When you sharpen iron with iron, there's sparks. Okay? What you sharpen each other with is the word of God. And if we're subject to the word of God, there will be change. There will be repentance. I need people to bring the scripture to bear on that old man that I'm fond of dragging around. I need people to bring the scripture to bear as one would bear a sword, as you would... Cut off. That's why Christ was cut off. Karat. He was literally cut off from life. I need my old ways, my man of death, my sin to be cut off. And sometimes the means of doing that is the body of Christ, the church. My old man needs to be cut off so that my new man is not hindered. Sometimes people need a gentle reminder. Sometimes people need a sword.
Let us not be so unconcerned with each other that we do not address each other when it's time. Just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. How long? You don't know where the edge of that cliff is. We don't know if this person is a believer or not definitively. I can give evidence that someone is a believer or not because Scripture gives me things to look for. But definitively, I don't know. That's why the answer is the same for both. God's been really gracious to me in keeping me from that department. That's his department. This is my department. And the answer that he gives for both is within my department because it's the same answer. I need daily encouragement and daily edifying. And I need daily pushing and prodding and and challenging. I need to think on Christ daily. I need to think on my theology and work through my theology daily. And I can't do that alone. I'm the kind of guy that thinks through talking. Like I don't, when I have conversations with someone, if I'm thinking through an issue, I'm not talking to you. You're a sounding board. Like I'm just throwing the ideas out and they're coming back and I'm like hearing myself talk about it. And that's how I think. Lena could tell you that every time I prep for a sermon. (laughs) I'm not talking to her. I need to think through these things daily. And for me personally, like I literally have trouble thinking by myself. And it's the same thing for all of us when it comes to sanctification. The fellowship is the foundation that's why we have the church. And we need to dig in now. I need to get to know you now. Because there will be a time coming. It's, I mean, it's here. It's just it's growing up. Where we won't have this as regularly as we do now. We won't have some of you here. Because you may be in prison. I don't know. Politics change really quickly. I mean, it just, and it's, the world you thought was there is not there. I mean, it's been a decade, and I'm like, really? You don't know if you're a guy or a girl? Really? Like a decade ago, you would have been like, oh, yeah. Clear. Now? Let's call them babies. We can't call them babies because that would be... You heard that one? Yeah. We shouldn't call babies babies because then they would, that would be like they have to like, you know, boy or girl. So let's call them babies so it's neutral. How is baby not neutral? <laughs> I don't know. The world's going crazy and it cannot continue without persecuting the church. It can't. We need this to keep us grounded. Paul needed the church at Philippi to keep him grounded. He needed that encouragement and that fellowship. And that's why he writes this letter to the church at Philippi. That's the fundamental reason is joy. The joy that I have because of the partnership that we have together in the confirmation and defense of the gospel. The sharing that we have in Christ in my imprisonment. And in that confirmation, we work together to see this thing through for each other and to see this thing through for new believers coming in. 
We evangelize together. We sanctify each other together. I want to close just by reading Romans 12. If you want to turn there. Romans 12, verses 4 through 13. And I don't want to exposit this. I think this is general enough. We can, we can just read through and understand. That's why I love Romans. Romans is so like cut and dry, clear, right? Like you're wondering how it works? Romans. Just read Romans. Romans 12, 4 through 13. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Many of these things are just because you're one person in the body doesn't mean like you have one gift per person. Many of us have many of these things. And so whatever you have, you use that to the service of the body. And so if you're prophesying, and I want to be careful with prophecy because Scripture is done. The canon is closed. And so if you're prophesying, it should either be Scripture or agree with Scripture. right? Let's call it edification. If you're going to edify, do it through Scripture. If you're serving... Your service should be cheerful. Your service should be, we shouldn't be like begging people. We really need help with this. Like, can we, can we get some help with this? If you're serving, serve. The one who teaches, let him teach. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, like these are, it's cut and dry, obvious, right? If you got it, do it. If you can, do it. If you're given an outlet to do it, do it. If you're not given an outlet to do it, find a way to do it. Individually, in in individual conversations, person to person, group to group. This family comes over to this family's house and we do these things. We prophesy. We bring out scripture. We serve one another. We teach one another. We exhort one another. The one who contributes... In generosity, be generous to one another. The church was selling all that they had and taking the proceeds and giving those proceeds to anyone who had need. I don't like socialism as much as the next guy because it's forced. Because you're stealing from me to give to that guy. And it's not on the basis of deserving and it's not on the basis of need. It's just on the basis of, "Mm, yeah, the government decided. But the idea of giving up what I have If you need that, we should be ready to do that generously. The one who leads with zeal. We've got four guys here. Yeah, four. We had five. I missed that guy. 
We've got four guys here who lead with an amazing amount of zeal. But every single one of us, particularly you men, every single one of us is a leader. And if you're not leading, you're leading, you're just not leading well. You're leading in failure if you're not leading. Lead with zeal. Be zealous. To the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We shouldn't be doing this begrudgingly, right? And then in verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. If love is genuine, the opposite of genuine is deceit, right? Genuine is truthful, so the opposite of that would be deception. Don't love deceivingly. Don't deceive someone into thinking that you love them. Actually love them. Again, Southern hospitality, we're really good at that. We're really good at a false idea of love. But love genuinely. Abhor what is evil. Evil is fundamentally a lie. Evil is fundamentally not genuine. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo each other. I mean, if you've got to make it a competition, make it a competition. I don't care. Like, outdo one another. I want to exhort you more. I want, I want to challenge you more and encourage you more and edify you more than you do me. Because I'm getting my mind off of myself and I'm putting it on you. And fundamentally, I'm putting it on Christ. Who's more important than me? Christ, fundamentally. Who does Christ say should be more important to me? I love my neighbor more than myself. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Don't be fake in zeal. If you're going to be zealous, be zealous continually. Again, it's a daily thing. It's really easy to come to church and be perfect at church and be good at church. It's really easy to be zealous at church. But if we're not being zealous elsewhere, if the zeal leaves, if it's gone when we exit these doors and doesn't come back until the next time we enter them, then it's slothful. It's cheap. Be fervent in spirit. The word fervent comes from this idea of like glowing red hot. Really intense. Burning. Be fervent in spirit. Be intense in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. The hope of Christ. The hope of the gospel. It's not just wishful thinking and hoping. It's hope. The confirmation that we are in Christ saved. That is our hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Prayer for one another. Prayer for ourselves. Prayer for the broader context of the church as a whole. Prayer for unbelievers in the world. 
prayer for our government, prayer for our leaders. And then lastly, contribute to the needs of the saints and, and seek to show hospitality, real hospitality. Let love be genuine. Let hospitality be genuine. Contribute to the needs of the saints. I want us to think very deeply, just to bring it home a little more personal, think very deeply on what you're called to be in the church and then consider, is that true during the week? Do I put on airs when I come to church? Do I pretend like I'm loving you and we're friends and we lift one another up, but it only happens here? This is the foundation. This is, this is what spurs those things on to happen throughout the week. And if we don't continue and, and really push into that, it will drastically it will drastically hurt us. And it will drastically hurt many churches. So many churches struggle with this concept of fellowship. It's not high by. It's not small talk at church. It's not. It's living life with one another. We will be drastically damaged as the body of Christ in the coming years if we do not dig in. Who have you not gotten to know? Go get to know them. And it takes time. Who have you not head over to your house? Have them over. Who have I not had over to my house? Come over. It's a construction zone, but come over. We're all busy. We all have lives. We all have things day in and day out. But if these people sitting here, and if the people that aren't here today, if these people cannot be claimed in your life as some of the most important, outside of your familial connections, outside of your intimate family group, if the church, if the body of Christ, if your family in Christ is not the most important, the most influential group in your life, you probably have not dug in as much as you can. You probably have not dug in as much as you're worth. You are worth so much to this body. This body deserves what you have. And I know this sounds... I feel like Joel Olstein right now, right? But honestly, what you have, we need desperately. Because what you have in fellowship and you give to me in fellowship, that is what sanctifies me. That's what keeps me saved. And that's what saves. The power of God unto salvation is the gospel. You proclaiming it. You and I together proclaiming it. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for your son. We want to thank you that you you saw fit to save us. Nothing within ourselves. 
solely for your glory, that you would call us to yourself on the fundamental basis of you paying our sin debt. You placed that dead man on Christ and he took the penalty for it. God, we thank you. Help our our realization of that truth. Help our understanding and our realization of our justification penetrate. Help it to penetrate our lives and our hearts and our minds. Help us to penetrate the minds of others with that truth. Continue to edify us by your word. Help us to edify each other by your word. We ask that you would be above all things, that we not fall to the lie, that old lie of Satan, God, that maybe you're not the most important, because you are. God, help us, sanctify us. Help us to to be in true fellowship with each other. In Christ's name I pray, amen.